Hi, my name is Duncan and we are the Fancy Football Fanatics. I'm joined this week by Gary in Huddersfield and Andy in Oakland. Welcome, guys. Um, let's go for football moments of the week. And Andy, I'm going to come to you first. Yeah, more for me, it's, it's more of this uh, absurdity from VAR where two, like, seemingly... Very, very onside goals in sort of the naked eye were both disallowed this week. Um, Timu Puki had a goal disallowed in the in Norwich game where he was sort of the the moment that the the camera picked, he was almost at forty five degrees because he was kind of turning, and you know ninety nine percent of his body was actively behind the last defender, and you know his armpit hair or something was was offside, and so they, his uh, very well taken goal was disallowed. Um, and then the, the second one was today in the in the Wolves Man City game, where uh, um, no, sorry, I beg your pardon, in the uh, Sheffield United Man City game, where Lis Mousset had a seemingly excellent goal disallowed. Um, so yeah, lots. It seems like it's, it's it, this this VAR implementation has changed the rules of football, where now like defenses playing a higher line have much more protection than they used to do. And different teams, I mean, Liverpool obviously have adapted really well to this. It's, it's been kind of pretty well documented that they're playing a very high line this season. And it, you know, I, I would imagine that they, that because they saw this coming and nobody else did. And different teams seem to have adapted with different levels of skill to this quite significant change in the nature of attacking and defending. So um, I don't think that was intentional at all i think it's they've accidentally really modified how the game and um it's not making very many people happy i'm guessing that's kind of benefiting the the bigger teams playing on those higher lines isn't it um yeah and like you say liverpool reaping the rewards um I, it's such a shame because var at the end of last season of the champions league that game between man city and spurs it just seemed to add so much enjoyment to the game you know there was a goal and then it wasn't and it was last minute and um it seemed to add a lot but it's clearly not the case during this season they definitely need to sort it out um gary what was your football moment of game week 20 um so i i think i i guess because 19 and 20 have been so close together i was going to pick one from game week 19 but it was the the walls man city game um, and just seeing um, kind of this great Man City team that are so used to having the ball actually being forced to defend, um, obviously because of the red card, but it, it was it was a really exciting game, uh, kind of a classic Premier League fixture. Um, Wolves, I think, have been been a real favourite ever since they got promoted last year for fantasy football managers because they they um, they have so many talented players who can come in under the radar, but. As a footballing side as well, like just seeing Man City on the back foot for once, having to defend, and they they did they did really well for most of the game, and then just ran, kind of got were exhausted by the end. It was almost a reverse Man City. Usually, it's Man City beating the opposition into submission, and by the final ten minutes, they're all just knackered and they can't they can't think straight anymore. And it was Wolves doing it to Man City, so it was a it was an interesting game, although probably helping to kill the title race dead. It was a it was a great game, wasn't it? But um, for all those players, FPL players like me, who'd taken Jimenez out of their team because of this nasty run of fixtures, just makes you realise like 
Wolves play well against the big teams, and I completely forgot that. Got rid of Jimenez, and I've just watched him rack up the points. Ah, oh, it's brutal not having a player like that. The postman delivers. <laughs> yeah, well, he's on my bench, so uh, for for his eleven points last week. So I mean, having him in your squad doesn't necessarily mean <laughs> you get the points. That's true, and I think he was rested today as well, wasn't he? he came so... on for the last twenty minutes and got one point. Yeah, good ah, man. nice one. Um, my football moment uh, is a bit like Gary's. It's a bit earlier than game week twenty. It's kind of, I think this was around Christmas Day. Kevin De Bruyne posted on his Twitter account. I don't know if you guys saw this. It was a GIF of um, Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone, where he's running around his house, and he realizes he's in his house on his own. So he's running around doing like huge uh, Macaulay Culkin uh, smiley faces to camera running around like a crazy little kid. And Kevin De Bruyne has then cut that. So there's about three different scenes of Macaulay Culkin running around. And then in the last scene, it's Kevin De Bruyne wearing exactly the same outfit in a really similar house, uh, pretending to be Macaulay Culkin because they look quite similar and he's called Kevin. Um, So check that out on Twitter. It's worth a watch. It's very impressively professional. Um, uh, Yeah, that was my, my football moment. FBL moments, I think mine is going to be less positive. I have a suspicion that Andy's is going to be less positive. Gary, can you give us some positivity from your FPL moment? Oh, I can I can give you an awful lot of positivity, yeah. Um so um it for for me again I'm gonna I'm gonna delve back into game week nineteen because I've come so close together, but it was the um the Liverpool four Leicester nil. Um, and the virtuoso performance from Trent Alexander-Arnold. Um, and just, just checking our mini-league and thinking, well, everyone must have Trent, surely. Um, and then, much to my delight and surprise, I found that both, both, you, both, both of you, I think, is Andy and Duncan, you, you, don't, have, you don't have Trent. Um, and it, in fact, I, I, I've gone back for the evidence, but um, two podcasts ago, um, Duncan, you you were insisting on putting Trent out of the um, the combined team. Um, th- th- this is a verbatim quote. Ben Ben said, I, "I don't like it. Trent is a season keeper." And Duncan, you replied, ah, I, "I don't know if Trent is a differential, and, and Aurier definitely is." <laughs> oh dear, yeah. Uh, I, you rarely get this kind of amount of FPL pain, not owning that one player. You know, sometimes players get a hat-trick and and they get 20-odd points, but 24 points in a game when they're playing away to second in the league. Uh, Andy, how did you feel? Well, I felt even worse because my my transfer that week was after Son's red card, I wanted to get Salah in for Son. And to save that money, I downgraded Trent, thinking, oh, they've got difficult fixtures. He's not going to score many points because they'll, they'll concede goals during those games. And two clean sheets, <laughs> two assists, a goal. And meanwhile, Salah, captain both weeks, has blanked completely. Honestly, any enthusiasm that I'd mustered during this podcast for the general concept of FPL is feigned. I'm having one of those like months, well, two-week periods, I guess, where... Um, yeah, I, I, it just makes you doubt your <laughs> whether you want to play the game or not anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah no, I, I think, I think, um, for, well, for me, I was experiencing in the opposite because I'd, uh, I think as people have been listening to a few of these, has been telling I've been having a shocker of a season, 
And then suddenly everything had gone right that week. I was already on a very good score. And then that, that performance from Trent just pushed it over the edge. Um, so I ended up with 98 points that week. I think, Duncan, I'd, I calculated that, that you were 139 points ahead of me um, going into that two weeks ago. Um, and now I'm, I'm kind of battling back. I think I'm about, I'm still about 70 points behind you, but I've, I've kind of halved that in two weeks. So, um, yeah, I, it, it was a lifesaver for me. I, I was kind of surprised that only 30% um, of people have, um, have Trent. It seems like he should be almost in any, every team. But I, I, I guess as, as some people had done the, the, the blank game week, people had subbed him out. Um, and I think his ownership was even low before then. I think, I think he just hadn't been getting the clean sheets. I think Liverpool just had been conceding one goal for so long, and then you knew at some point it was going to click and they were going to get it. But I, you didn't expect it in this tough run of fixtures. Um, yeah, impressive work with your ninety-eight, Gary. That is huge, especially considering that's a game week where I got thirty. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. The, the the last thing I picked out from that was uh, from Trent as well, which surprised me was that you you can get an assist for causing a handball because he actually he actually got three assists. He got two kind of standard assists for um, playing in Firmino, and he got a third assist for fizzing that corner in, which Soyuncu kind of nudged away with his arm. So he he was he was obviously as he was taking the corner, he was twenty thirty yards away from Soyuncu. Uh, but he got the assist for that, which was fantastic, excellent. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't realise you got an assist for forcing a handball. Yeah, fantasy assist if ever I saw one. I think um, for, I think forcing is a very strong word for what his friend did in that game. <laughs> Andy, do you do you have an FPL moment that's different from from mine? Two brutal weeks with two incredibly low scores. Oh, yeah, I mean, I went, I went into today quite positive because yesterday I got, um, I doubled up on Brighton defenders. So I got a dunk and uh, Ryan. So I got 14 points for that. I had Martial and Rashford. You know, they combined for 17 points. So I was going in really positive about today, even after Aurier's own goal. But um, yeah, just, I can't, I'm, I, I tried to describe this a few times without using swear words and failed because it was just a complete, <laughs> I guess that was useless. So I'm completely deflated now. The the annoying thing I find, having done the same as you, so brought in Salah. So I've I've now got Mane and Salah because I had Son um, and I da- downgraded Trent the previous week. So I had money in the bank when Son got his red card. And I thought, well, the only player worth having is Salah and they'll have a double game week soon. So I now have Mane and Salah, no Trent. And I'd really like to get rid of Salah but they've got a double game week coming up in game week 24. So that would be kind of silly to transfer out one of their best players just to transfer him in, in three or four game weeks time. So yeah, yeah, kind of even better in the last pod, I said, it's a good time to bench Vardy. Didn't bench him and had, and instead had Jimenez on the bench. You got 11 points last week. <laughs> Didn't follow my own advice and lost 11 points for it. Uh, yeah. every, every, it's all gone wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah we are definitely two different sides of a coin Gary with his 98 points and a huge rank jump and, and you and me on, on the way down and struggling but it could all change when the double game week comes around hopefully it will um, 
Yeah. Should we move on to the the game week 21 fixtures? Um, and the first one up is Gary with Brighton versus Chelsea. Okay, so I think that this one, looking at it on paper, you'd think that Chelsea are strong favourites. Chelsea have been doing very well away from home, um, including their late show at Arsenal today. Um, and then I also look back in the, the history of this fixture. So the, the, the first time these two teams met in 1933, uh, Brighton won. And that was the only time they've won this fixture. It's been 11 straight Chelsea wins ever since then. Um, so, so Brighton are battling against history, I think, here a bit. Um, that said, I think Brighton have been becoming quietly quite um, competitive at home. Um, and Andy just mentioned he got a double clean sheet from Ryan and Dunk. And I can kind of see if it, it, it could be one of those Lewis Dunk kind of games as well, where he's involved a lot and cutting the ball out and and saving it. I think at 4.7 million, he's still one of the best bargain defenders on the game. Um, so, yeah, it, I guess it depends how much faith you have in the Chelsea attack. Um, and also, as we kind of come to the, to the end of this kind of Christmas New Year marathon, um, just who's going to get rotated and who's going to play for Chelsea. Um, so, I, I think... Um, this week we saw kind of Mason Mount coming back in the team and getting an assist. Um, so at 6.4, he's still quite tempting. Um, Williams had quite a productive um, spell over this period as well and played nearly every game. He got an assist against Arsenal at 7.1. And then Tammy Abraham, who I think a lot of people have, is still in like 32% of the teams. Just just ended his little lean run with a with a goal against Arsenal. So um, yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be a case of the Chelsea will probably have a lot of the ball, but will it be the, the Chelsea attack versus the Brighton defence? I like what you're saying about Duncan and picking him out. He seems such a, a threat this season from corners. I mean, not just Dunk, all of those centre backs or defenders for Brighton seem to be a real threat with Pascal Gross on on. Yeah, on set pieces. And every game I seem to watch with Brighton, he's getting goal attempts and he's got a few this season. But also Webster as well. I know he was rested for the game um, just gone, but he he's picked up three goals, I think, this season at 4.4 million. Um, you'd hope that he'd you know, rotate back into the team for the next fixture. It's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because some, some players you think have been rested for these fixtures. So you'd think, oh, maybe they've been given a rest so that that means they're safer than the players maybe who played to be assured of a start in game week 21. But you just don't know, do you? It's a, it's a bit of a minefield and I really hope we don't see as much rotation. But I think... Yeah, I, I, I think we may be getting out of the rotation period now because you've got... you kind of got a, a 10-day break. You've, you've got a, an FA Cup game after this week. But that that is the game where a lot of players will get rested, I think, the, the Saturday the 4th and Sunday the 5th of January, the BFA Cup round. Um, so I, I think I think the rotation is probably starting to come to an end. I think the, the, the New Year's Day games are the real danger. Uh, sorry, the, the games... Um, sorry, the games in game week 20 that we've just had were the real danger. And now with a, with a kind of a three-day rest... I, I think you'll see most teams picking their first 11. And I, I think Brighton will be targeting this as a game where 
they kind of they occasionally when they're away from home they kind of drop Maupai and they kind of think oh well it's just damage limitation but I think the home fixtures Brighton really target as a chance to pick up some points so I, I think they'll pick their first choice defence and, and yeah I've been impressed by Dunk as well I, I, I think he can't be far off the England squad actually he's a really good um, centre-back who can actually play a bit as well so um, yeah, yeah. so yeah he, he gets I, a I lot of Andy's... bonus points as well that's the thing with him yeah. the reason I've stuck with him so long I'm so pleased with him partly it's because he was my captain on championship manager when I took Brighton to the, uh, the Champions League final but aside from that it's uh, it's his bonus points because he um, whenever Brighton get a clean sheet you'll normally see uh, Lewis Dunk emerge with two or three bonus points and that really tops up your score yeah, he's, he's the one making all the clearances, isn't he, and winning the headers. And he's also, yeah. I guess, got quite a high pass completion rate, which I, I think they factor into the bonus. So he, he kind of he kind of ticks all the boxes for the bonus points. Brighton, after this fixture, go on quite a nice run as well. So it's almost quite a nice fixture just to check on, you know, check the rotation is finished, like you're saying, Gary. See, see who's playing, see who you want to invest in. And then from this game after the Chelsea game they've got quite a nice run and yeah I like the options you've picked out especially in defence lots of bargain options there um, Andy what do you reckon to Burnley versus Villa well this is a a game between two teams that are pretty badly off form at the moment um, Burnley somehow managed to not threaten Man United very much and uh, Villa have really fallen apart since Tyrone Mings dropped out of the defence and John McGinn out of their midfield so I feel like this is a chance for one of these two teams to sort of buck that trend um, and, uh, and, and go on a better run. So it'll be an interesting one to watch. But if one team does sort of like dig it out and, and look better, this might be a, a start of something a bit better for, for them. I think Burnley probably a lot more likely than Villa for that because um, you know, for Villa, it's, it's because their players are missing. So um, I don't think it's a very interesting one for FPL right now, though, because I don't think many people are going to have any Villa or Burnley players after the run they've been on. Um, Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes are sort of FPL favourites because they tend to be low-priced and go go on runs of scoring, but that would be when Burnley are on good form, not their current form. So um, I think probably FPL-wise, it's not a particularly interesting game for us to spend too much time on today, but I'll be watching Burnley to see whether it's worth looking at either of those two or maybe um, Dwight McNeil for future fixtures. I think one player I'd pick out in this fixture from an FPL point of view is um, Jack Grealish because he's been picking up the points over the last kind of five or six fixtures quite consistently. And he seems to be, well, he is Villa's talisman. He's been moved further forward. He's at a nice price, like four, uh, 6.4 million. But like you say, with Villa kind of falling apart, injuries here and there, results not going their way, do you think that people should be sticking with him? Or do you think there is an option to move to from that price because it's a slightly tricky price. There's no one really around it, is there? Well, Mason Mount's the same price. And I think I would much rather have Mount than Grealish. Um, and I, I, feel, I mean, Grealish is a good player, isn't he? Um, and probably destined for um, a team that is doing better in the league than Villarreal right now at some point in his career. Um, but he's just not exciting enough, I don't think. He's, he's also... When Villa are doing badly, he's a red card waiting to happen. He very nearly got sent off this week. So, um, yeah, no, I I feel like um, if you're looking at, at exactly the same price, you've got Mason Mount at 6.4. Let me just sort of filter by midfielders at that price now and see what else there is around there. But I, I don't think he's the best option at that price. 
a trail is a lot cheaper. Um, you've got, I mean, Tielemans probably isn't a great option, is he? Ward Prowse with uh, with Southampton coming to good form might be a better option as well at five point nine. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, you know, he's a good player, but I don't think he's the best option. Even though he's actually on eighty one points so far this season because he plays every minute of every game, I don't think he's one of those players that's going to go on going to get good scores regularly um, until Villa maybe get the players back. Fair enough. Um, next up, it's Newcastle versus Leicester. And that's one for me. Um, yeah, this one on paper seems pretty cut and dry. Um, Newcastle have lost three of the last four games. Um, Leicester getting the result despite resting a huge number of first teamers against West Ham. You'd expect them to come back um, and to kind of terrorize Newcastle again. I think some kind of talking points for this game are Jamie Vardy, whose partner had a baby recently. So I don't know if that was part of the reason that he was rested or or that was simply rotation. I know Rogers talked a lot about the fact that Vardy wouldn't be able to play all the minutes over the Christmas period. But I wonder if the, the two kind of combined and, and that's why he got the rest. Um, that does kind of maybe have some ramifications in terms of captaincy for me uh, for this game week. If he has just had a baby, he hasn't played the last game. I, I know players come back fairly quickly from that kind of thing. They miss one game and then they're back for the name game, next game week. But it, I just would have some concerns about captaining him for this fixture without total assurance that he was fit from Rogers. And it's difficult to get that news this time of the season when, um, you know, press conference and stuff like that, and the news doesn't come through so easily. Um, yeah. So captaincy wise, I'm not sure. I think Leicester are slightly suffering. Uh, recently against the big teams they've been uh yeah taught a lesson by manchester city and by uh by liverpool i think they're struggling for goals from midfield and i'm kind of hoping that uh, james madison starts to use this run um to kind of get his shooting boots back back on and get it back in the points um because i think he's the man who can get them goals from midfield uh Tillemans as well can chip in here and there um, but he doesn't seem to be performing at the same level as he was uh, when he was on loan last season. So Leicester have a really nice run. Now those tough fixtures are over pretty much from, from here almost to game week 33, I think. So you can kind of get him in if you don't. I'm sure most people have a few, but maybe you could say maybe a double up in defence or um, maybe you bring in you know Schmeichel as well as a defender. Um keeping an eye on Madison if you don't have him as well, because they could go on a really nice run. Um, and they're, they're still all affordable options, I think. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Newcastle, I think they're, they're struggling at the moment. Andy Carroll is causing a lot of problems, causing a lot of havoc up front. Um, but they are, they're not kind of not doing enough attacking wise to get the goals. So, yeah, I think this is going to be a result for Leicester. And I would just be a bit careful with the Vardy captaincy. Next up is Southampton versus Tottenham. And that's for Gary. Okay, so I think with this with this fixture, I can see this being quite a close one. Um, Spurs won 2-1 earlier in the season uh, when they were at home. Um, but then when this game was played at Southampton last year, Southampton won it 2-1. Um, I've not been too impressed by Spurs under Mourinho. They, he, he seems to be getting them to go a bit more direct. 
and they've, they've also seemed to have adopted going like with Vertonghen at left back, which has kind of limited a little bit of their attacking threat from their fullbacks. Um, and I just wonder, they, they seem to get a little bit lucky at Norwich. Um, and I just wonder if Spurs, yeah, if, if they're going to be um, much of a threat away from home. I could see Southampton maybe causing them a few problems. So I, I don't know. I, I can probably see this game being quite a tight one. Um, I've been a bit disappointed with Gazaniga, who I who I kind of thought when, when Mourinho came in would be a great goalkeeper to have, but his returns to me have been very poor. Um, and generally, I'd, I'd, I'd suggest keeping clear of the Spurs' defence. They've, they've no, I think they've only had um, a couple of clean sheets all season. Um, then it's a little bit of a dilemma what to do with their attackers. So the, you've got Son is still suspended. Um, so I think Deli Ali is very much the man in form. Um, he didn't score against Norwich, but he, he has been looking very threatening. Um, and then Harry Kane, who I did bring in for a couple of weeks, um, and I decided to take him out for the Norwich game. And it was looking like a good decision for most of the game. And then he pops up and gets a penalty at the end. So he's one of those players. I think Ben has been saying that Kane has been killing him just by still gets returns, even when Spurs don't play that well. Um, then Southampton, it's very much a, a similar case. that Not a lot of their players are looking very interesting, other than um, Danny Ings up front, who he really is. I, th- I think he is very similar to Vardy in a lot of ways, and he's been on very similar form. Um, and he just popped up against Palace, one touch, back of the net, kind of out of nowhere. Um, so I'm going to stick with Ings for this one. Um, and yeah, I, I think I, I wouldn't expect it to be a big win either way. So it's probably not the most tempting game for fantasy managers out of this game week 21. With Ings, you say you're going to stick with him for this one. Are you going to be sticking with him for this kind of tough run of fixtures they have? Um, from this game, it seems to be the, the start of them. Or are you going to be kind um, of watching and seeing? I, yeah, but I, I, I think I think that the, I think that the shading is slightly misleading with these as, as well with the on the on the game. Like I, I wouldn't class Tottenham at home at the moment. Like this Tottenham team, they went a lot of games away from home without a win under Pochettino. I wouldn't play it's classed as like a number four, like a red one on the game. Um, but I'd, I'd probably rank it as more of a three, this one. Um, okay, away at Leicester's tricky. Um, but then he's got Wolves at home, Palace away, Liverpool away, followed by a, a much friendly looking run. So I'd, I think his price as well, 6.6. I, I just think um, I'd stick with him. Um, I'm, I'm also kind of a big fan of his. If you look at his performance earlier this season, like they lost 2-1 at home to Liverpool, Ings scored. They lost 2-1 at Spurs, Ings scored. They lost 4-1 at home to Chelsea, Ings scored. So he, he seems to be like producing the goods um, against some of the, good, the, the better teams in the league as well. Um, so I, I think at 6.6 million, he's, he, he's, not, he's not the one to be shifting out. Especially if you picked him up, you know, even cheaper than that. He he can sit first place on your bench if you've got a, you know, if you've got a benching headache. And he's a great player to come off the bench, isn't he? He's not too pricey. Um, on the the Kane uh, kind of 
little segment you did there. Kane is, he does pop up. He has popped up this season with some goals, but for his price, you, you need those braces, don't you? And he's just not getting them this season. Um, so I, I think you were right to get rid of him personally. Yeah, well, I, I kind of brought him in as a bit of a short-term measure. He, he had Chelsea at home and Brighton at home, and I thought, oh, he's going to really come good here. And he, he got 10 points from those two games. He, he, he could have had more against Brighton as well. He had one narrowly ruled out for offside. Um, but then, I don't know, I just I don't have very much confidence in this Spurs team to pick up results away from home at the moment. So I, I kind of see... If you look at their fixture, their next three fixtures, Southampton away, Liverpool home, Watford away. Well, obviously, the Liverpool game is going to be very tough. Um, and now, if it was a Man City or a Liverpool, and you think, are oh, they going to bang three in at Southampton and bang three in at Watford? Then, then obviously, Kane would be a real good player to have, like like they were doing a year or two ago. But but now, I, I just don't, I don't have that same confidence in Spurs. I, they may they may grab a goal, but I don't see them. There's as much of an attacking threat. I agree. And I don't even have Deli Ali at the moment. So I hope you're right. Um, Andy, what do you reckon to Watford versus Wolves? I think uh, this is a really, really interesting one for, to preview um, on the Watford side. Wolves, I think we, we know a lot about already because they're, you know, they're, they're FPL favourites. The likes of Jimenez and Traore, um, obviously are good, good players to have in your side. And they're on good form at the moment as well. Watford, though, having been dreadful for most of the season, have just got a new manager with different players in the side and have gone on a really brilliant run. There are two, play- two players in that side that I think I really want to pick out. Um, the first one is Troy Deeney, who I think, you know, he's not, he's not news to anybody, but he's returned from injury. And obviously, it's, it's not, um, not, not a secret that Watford play a lot better with him in the side. Um, he scored twice this week in the 3 0 win over Aston Villa and uh, looked like a real threat. So, um, yeah, I think he's a, at, what is he, 6.2? I think he's a pretty decent player to be looking at around that price. Um, although he's the same price as Danny Ings, who uh, I know Gary will be, uh, will be um, trying to convince everybody he's a better player as well. But and I think they're both really good picks and possibly Dini could be a good um, differential because a lot of people have started to pick Ings. Um, the other one I want to pick out, uh, who actually we were saying earlier, um, maybe an alternative to Jack Grealish might be uh, Ismail Assar, who um, he's got in the last three game weeks, he's got 13-1-7. Um, he was rotated for the, uh, for the Sheffield United game when he played half the match. Um, but he seems to be um, a Nigel Pearson first teamer. He's played, um, you know, he started and played at least 86 minutes of all of the other games since game week 14. Um, and in his last three games, he's got two goals and an assist. So um, I think he's possibly one to look out for, and somebody who Nigel Pearson, Nigel Pearson's Watford might um, might be enabling in their attack. So yeah, um, on the, the player who doesn't seem to benefit benefited too much um, FPL wise from Nigel Pearson is Gerard Lefebvre, who previously had been um, one of the most prominent attacking players for Watford. Um, he's still playing, but he's not doing much, not getting much as much in the way of returns as he, as he perhaps was in the past, not getting in sort of the goal face as much as he previously was. So I think if I was going to pick what for the attackers, it would be one of those two rather than De La Faye. Yeah, I like those picks. Do you know what price Sar is at at the moment? 
6.2. So he's another one of those options as uh, a possible Grealish replacement if, if you don't think that Grealish can can drag Villa along. And also, you mentioned him before, but I know you said he's he's not a surprise to anyone, but Traore, um, he is still a differential. He's only 11% owned. Um, and at 5.5, he's surely the bargain of you know, the second half of the season when a lot of prices for players have gone up uh, way past that. Yeah, I find it absurd that he's only 11% owned. Like, he's so cheap. And he's probably right now the best attacker in one of the sort of top four challenging sides. Um, he's the one that makes things happen for them. His returns have been amazing for the last few weeks. Um, I don't know what, everyone's, don't know what the other 89% of the league is playing at. The thing about Traore for me, and I, I was one of the first ones to pick him. I, I, I kind of picked him out a few weeks ago, so I've been watching him quite closely. Um, I think you find when when they when Wolves play the worst, the, the lesser teams in the league, he really struggles for space when they sit deep and they don't give him room to run into. But when when he plays like the better teams, like Man City in particular, and he has a bit more space to attack, like that's where he really shows his quality. So I think. He's kind of a funny one, but he's he's actually got his 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 two his his three big his three double digit hauls this season are Man City away, Man City home, and Tottenham at home. Um, so so I'd, I'd almost be looking at they have three easy fixtures coming up. I'm going to stick with him for those, but I'm not necessarily expect. I'm almost expecting more from him from the Liverpool at home, Man United away, Leicester at home from like game weeks 24 to 26. He's a classic Wolves player, isn't he? He just loves <laughs> loves playing against the big teams. Um, but yeah, as a fifth midfielder, like you can say, Gary, you can bench him when you need to, play him when he's got the space. Um, next up, it's it's Man City versus Everton. This is one for me. Um, this is a this is a tough game for Everton, which is a bit of a shame because they've they've had a few bounces recently, a, a few good bounces. So Ferguson took over. You know, they got two wins and two, I think, um, and or a win and a draw. And they were looking looking much better, playing 4-4-2, much more energy, much more fight. And then Ancelotti has come in and, you know, exactly the same. Uh, well, even better, two, two wins on the bounce. Um, so this is a tough one for them coming up against a Man City team who have just uh, kind of ground out a result against Sheffield United. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne looking absolutely fantastic. You could see uh, before his goal against Sheffield United that he was going. He decided he was going to score from the halfway line. He just put the afterburners on. You know, towards the end of the game, flew past everyone. Um, yeah, and a great finish. So tough for Everton coming up against a team who are who look a bit angry, uh, who are looking looking like they have a bit of a point to prove. Um, and there's another man who's crazily enough he's a, a big differential is Aguero who's only 10, 10% owned at the moment and it's not often that you get a player of Aguero's quality at that low low ownership so he's a definite opportunity maybe if people have Kane in their team it's not too much of a jump um, or a Bamiang if people are still holding on to him or if you've got the, the space from uh, a downgrade earlier in, in those blank game weeks then Aguero's a a nice option to have. Um, another another potential option, maybe not for this game week, but um, after this game week, is I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin. 
Um, I don't know if, if if it's just me, but I feel like a lot of players have been looking at Tammy Abraham recently and wondering whether he's worth the money um, or whether you could cash in on him to a, a player around Dominic Calvert-Lewin's kind of price tag or Neil Mope at Brighton um, and then spend that cash elsewhere in your midfield or your defence. And I think after this game, until game week 26, Everton have a nice run of fixtures. I think they'll still be on a, a kind of a positive bounce after Ancelotti's joined them and still be trying to kind of prove themselves to the new manager. So I think watching brief for Everton on this one, but um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin potentially in mind, maybe Luca Dina as well uh, for their kind of mini run up to game week 26. I think they're quite nice options. Yeah. You guys can jump in if you see anyone else for this fixture, or we can go to yeah. Norwich Crystal Palace. I mean, I mean, I just say with, I just say with Calvert Lewin, it's kind of, is, is he going to be that player that scores regularly now that he has been for these last five games, or is this the aberration and he's going to go back to being a kind of one in, one goal every five games kind of striker. Um, I, I think he might be a bit better than that one goal in five game striker. So, so yeah, I'd definitely be watch looking looking him closely. If I had if I had a choice, well, probably do the choice between Dominic Calvert Lewin and Neil Mope, uh, very similar price points. I think Neil Mope, I think he's on penalties for Brighton. Their run of good fixtures is longer, and I'd be more assured of his minutes. It's not a new manager. He's not going to suddenly get dropped uh, for Moise Keane. Um, you know, I'd, I'd be going with Mopé, but I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin is an interesting option because because you know that Ancelotti's just joined and he's he's proving himself to him. He's going to, you know, like most of the Everton players, they're going to want to try and get in that team with that new manager. And it's just a short-term hit from from now until game week 26. And then, you know, you can change if you want to. But yeah, I agree, Gary. Maybe... We have to see some some consistency from him first. What were you going to say, Andy? Um, there's another player I want to pick up from Everton's side who I'll be watching closely in this game is um, Jibril Sidibe because in the first Ancelotti fixture, he was playing on the right wing and got an assist, although he's actually a, a defender in the game. And then in, in this week's in this weekend's fixture, he started at right back but moved into right mid. No, he was subbed on, I think. Anyway, he finished the game playing right midfield again. Um, so, and we're swinging in crosses like repeatedly. So, um, possibly somebody to look out for there as a defender playing in midfield in, a, in an up and coming side. What What's his price at the moment in FPL? Uh, 5.3. That's pretty good, isn't it, in comparison to Luca Dean? Um, right. So, if, if I were going to pick a, an Everton defender, like hands down, that's going to be him because he's playing in midfield. Um, the two questions whether you whether you believe strongly enough to spend five point three when there are so many. The issue this season is that you've got both Siuntru and Lundstrom under five million. Um, so you've already got two of what is potentially only three defensive spots taken there. Most people are after Trent's haul over the last couple of days are going to want him too. So that's already three players that are going to start most weeks for you. So it's only if you're going to play a fourth defender that you want to spend 5.3 on a defender. But if you are, or if you want a differential against those other players, then Sadibi, I think, is a, a good choice. Yeah, and with uh, Lord Lundstrom's injury uh, this game week, we have to see how serious that is. Um, 
maybe if he needs to be moved on, that's a good, a good option there, not too far a jump. Um, Quite, yeah. Next up, it's Norwich versus Crystal Palace, and this is for Gary. Okay, well, I think for this one, it, it seems a bit harsh, harsh on Norwich, but looking at the table, they're kind of a little bit adrift now, kind of six points outside the relegation zone, and it's getting into the stage... Uh, so inside the relegation zone, it's getting to the stage where it's becoming a must-win game for them, um, particularly as it's a home fixture. Um, and that said, the Palace are probably the worst kind of opponent you'd, you'd want in this kind of must-win situation because they they don't come with that kind of cachet of being like one of the big established teams. But away from home, they're they're pretty much one of the toughest teams to beat. They seem they seem to do better away than they do at home. Um, so it's whether Palace can do a job on Norwich or whether Norwich can somehow break break through. Um, what one player I'd like to pick out for Norwich, I think I think he's been mentioned a couple of times on this podcast, but he's 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 not quite caught fire. And again at six million, it's not the most attractive price, but I'd say Emiliano Buendia. Um I, I do still think he's the Norwich's best player. Um and he's got six assists so far this season, although he hasn't managed to score. Um, but I do think if, if Norwich were going to drag themselves out of the relegation zone, um, I think he's a, he's a very important player for them. Um, that said, Norwich have some pretty tough fixtures coming up. Um, after this game against Palace, they've got Man United away, Bournemouth at home, Tottenham away. Um, yeah, it's, it's looking a little bit ugly for Norwich. So it's, I don't know. So they basically, they have to win this game. Um, I think this game and the Bournemouth game coming up. And I, I think they've got a little bit more quality than they've shown. So I'd, I haven't gone for Bundia. I've actually gone for Puki, um, who in my team, where a lot of people are getting rid of him. And I was thinking this might be a slightly different alternative, but he might actually coming, be coming into form again. Um, but again, yeah, I'd, I'd say with Norwich, those are the two that I was looking at. Obviously, Cantwell is the one who's got the return so far, and I don't really rate Cantwell as much. Um, but I think Puki and Buendia are the, the two for Norwich to look out for. So, um, unlucky. so unlucky for you with uh, Puki's disallowed goal. Yeah, well, I was subbing, subbing out like because I wanted to change things around a little bit and I brought in um, Salah for Richarlison. So my striker, I changed from Puki to Kane, uh, from Kane to Puki. Um, and if Puki had have got that goal and then Kane gets a rather fortunate goal at the end, it, it ended up working out and kind of going to form. But I, I could just, I, I still think Norwich are quite a formidable team at home. Um, they've been unlucky in quite a few games this season and, I guess this game against Palace and then the one coming up against Bournemouth is basically if if they get four points or more from those two games, I think it might be on. They they could be on for one of these great escapes. Um, and if they don't, then it's time to kind of cut adrift the Norwich players and kind of leave them as a lost cause. Um, as far as Palace are concerned, um, I'm kind of regretting that I... I did made it quite a boring transfer, but I, I I'm not the only one. I'm I'm one of the 32% who has Martin Kelly, um, and I brought him in a few weeks ago. Basically, he's just a cheap defender who plays every week. Um, 
but it's not much good in playing every week if he's going to pass the ball to Danny Ings like he did um, last week. And I also heard a stat that he's not scored a goal for 10 and a half years. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm kind of wondering the wisdom of actually keeping, uh, keeping Kelly. And in fact, looking at him, it can't have been a Premier League goal looking at that stat because he's got no goals on the game. He's got what? five assists in 10, 11 years, uh, six assists in 12 years. So, yeah, I think with Martin Kelly, you're very much hoping for the clean sheet. He's not He's not going to do much else. Um, although, if if we're talking cheap strikers, um, I, I guess I guess for, for Palace, the Jordan Ayew um, at 5 million has got to be tempting. He's played every game bar one this season. And he scored like a worldie against West Ham. Um, and if we're coming into that stage of the season where um, Palace are going to start pulling off these unlikely away wins, then, then he might be worth a, a go. He's definitely worth it as a first on your bench, you know, if you're playing 3 5 2, isn't he? He's very cheap. His prices, I think, has dropped now again to 5 million. So, yeah, he's going to play every week, isn't he? And he'll pick up a goal every now and then. Um, do you think Palace are going to start to grind out these clean sheets that people like you and me and everyone else who's brought in Kelly are hoping that they will with these good fixtures? Mm, I, th- I think that was it. Was kind of their chance those those previous few games, and they they just kind of kept bottling it a little bit. I mean the the loss to um, like the. 1-1 against Brighton, 1-0 defeat to Newcastle, 2-1 two, two win against West Ham, but again, no clean sheet, 1-1 against Southampton. They they kind of got, I think in most of those games, they got through an hour with a clean sheet and then they just let one in at the end. But I, I think that the fixtures are starting to turn for them now. Um, so they've, they've, after Norwich, they've got Arsenal, Man City. Um and then, then they go into a run of home games, which for most teams is good news. But for Palace, you, you've almost got to treat them like their home games are their away games. That makes sense. So I, I think for this game against Norwich, I'm going to stick with Kelly because I, I, I think this could be the kind of game that Palace win 1-0. Um, but then, I don't know, part of me just thinks that Puki and Buendia are just due a, a kind of a lucky week or a good week and they're going to, Norwich are going to sparkle a little bit here. So I'm, I'm really a bit torn on how to call this one. I think possibly a lot of people are kind of stuck in a situation where they have to play Kelly because Lundstrom might be injured. He's got a tough fixture anyway. Um, it's kind of, you know, there aren't many points in defence at the moment unless you've got Trent. And outside of that, you know, maybe the Leicester players. But yeah, it's it's tough. I agree. I, I think I think I'm going to go with a, a Norwich are oh, fairly formidable at home, but um, we will see. Andy, what do you reckon to West Ham versus Bournemouth? It's another one, isn't it, where the, the both both teams are catastrophically out of form. Um, I think the, the the wild card here is, of course, the Pellegrini has been sacked, and so West Ham are going to be going into this either managerless or with a new manager who could be, if papers are believed, David Moyes. Now, uh, I don't know what they're thinking. <laughs> he's, David he's been Moyes a, did. I think he's been appointed now, hasn't he? David Moyes? Has he? Yeah. 
All right. So David Moyes it is. Um, not the most inspiring manager to bring in. The the one sort of bright spark, I think, for West Ham is that some players that are very important to them have been injured and are coming back. Um, I think their best player is um, Manuel Lanzini, and he's back now and expected to play in the next game. Uh, Felipe Anderson played this week, so that's sort of their, their sort of the creative side of their team is starting to come back now. But um, an appointment like David Moyes might be all they need to... Um, make sure that that doesn't provide any benefit whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think probably this is going to be an extremely low-quality game. Um, it's about which team can shoot themselves in the foot better. Bournemouth without um, without Ake at the back, I think, is probably a pretty porous defence. So that could lead to a 1-0 West Ham win or perhaps Bournemouth decide this is the moment where they end there. Um, their run of bad form and you know they, they're, they're a very sort of streaky side aren't they Bournemouth where they'll lose a load of games and then they'll win a load of games and then they'll lose a load of games like they're going, they're going runs um, if they want to start a good run this could be it I think it's pretty hard to predict I mean if whichever team wins you know which players are going to get the points it's either going to be um, Lanzini Felipe Anderson or it's going to or maybe Snodgrass or it's going to be Callum Wilson Ryan Fraser um, depends on which which team is worse? This is kind of the ultimate uh, fixture over form question. But a, a few people have been mentioning Callum Wilson on Twitter, um, on FPL Twitter recently, saying, you know, this is potentially a differential to bring in. They've got good fixtures from now on. Um, he's 7.3, 7.4, something like that. Do you think that's crazy or do you are you a fixtures man? I mean, it's, it's not crazy, no. Um, I think if if Bournemouth play really well in this game, then that will mean they're about to go and play really well for a while because that's what they do. So I guess watch the game. And if you see Bournemouth walk away with a, a decent victory, if they win 2 or 3-0, then that will mean it's Wilson time. But I don't know. You've got. I think you've got to wait for that first result and that first performance from them. And you're like, okay, right now's the moment. Get, get in your Bournemouth players. That hasn't happened yet. So I think you've got to get to the way way for it to happen before you start jumping on the bandwagon, I think. Yeah. And with the West Ham players, not bringing them in, but like you say, keeping an eye on them. And they've got that double game week in game week 24. So maybe... Yeah, but look who the opposition is. Like one of of those is against Liverpool. So it's not not exactly a very beneficial double game week, is it? No, it's not. No, not really. Um, Next up, it's, it's Arsenal versus Manchester United. It's the... It's kind of the pod derby. Um, sorry, Gary. Uh, I, I think Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday versus Man United would also be a pod derby. Um, but we are heavily Man U fan uh, populated. So I think this one is just going to compound my my FPL misery at the moment. Um, Arsenal are never a team in my memory who've been able to, uh, well under Wenger or at least the last few managers who've ever been able to play that pragmatically, especially at home against the team uh, like Man United, who clearly love playing counter-attacking football. Um, you know, the pragmatic pragmatic approach that you'd hope that uh, Arteta would take would be to say, okay, we're not going to let them counter-attack on us. But I think it's kind of built into this team that they try and dominate possession. They try and, essentially have an open game. And I think that's going to play perfectly into Man United hands. 
Um, so Anthony Martial and Rashford on the break, um, Daniel James as well. I think they're going to cause a lot of problems. And this is a fixture who, uh, which gives me a lot of pain over the years. I think I've taken Matt to this fixture a couple of times, snuck him into the Arsenal uh, half, well, to the Arsenal seats and, and told them to be very quiet when they score. And they do, they do score um, often on the <laughs> counter-attack as well, which is annoying. Um, I think Arsenal are one of the few teams, maybe West Ham have joined us in this, uh, where, although I may be proved wrong, where they don't get a, a new manager bounce. Um, we didn't really see one with Emery. Um, I, we're not really seeing one with Arteta. I think this team is at such a low kind of ebb that there is, <laughs> yeah, there's no bounce at all. You know, even when teams like Watford and Everton are, are playing to try and force their way into the team, there's just, I don't think, much competition in the squad. It's quite a thin squad. A lot of youngsters are getting to play at the moment. Um, and, yeah, not FPL options, really. I know Aubameyang is picking up goals impressively, um, but he's kind of just poaching them. They're not really being created for him. Um, so, yeah, I would... I would play Martial. He is a big player, I think, in FPL at the moment. Um, I think if you've had him over the last two or three game weeks, it's it's a big swing in your favour. He was a big deferential um, before the last two game weeks. And now I think people will be bringing him in and his ownership is going to be climbing. But he's certainly a man on form. Uh, Rashford seems to be, uh, yeah, chipping in consistently, which is good. Um and he's definitely another player to have. But I think the double-up's not a bad option at the moment. They're both fairly affordable. At least Martial is, um, yeah, worth having. Um, so, yeah, I think Man United for this fixture. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, I think um, Gary's comment about Palace being one of those teams that are actually quite hard to break down and good, but don't have the sort of cachet of being a big six side. Arsenal are like the exact opposite of that. They have the cash of being a really big six side, but they're not very difficult to break down and defeat. And so um, Man United sort of up their game for the uh, for the quote unquote big games. This is one of those, just and and yet I don't think is a very difficult opponent. So I mean, I'm uh, I'm looking at Martial and Rashford as captaincy options for this game because I think it could get really ugly if uh, if Man United really are on form, especially with um, with Oli having rested Pogba uh, this weekend so that he can play the full game against Arsenal. Um, given how much better we looked after he came on in the previous two games, um, I think I think Solskjaer really wants to win this one. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this is going to be a Man United win. And I think that Martial, Rashford and potentially even Pogba could be great fantasy picks. Yeah. So, so, so big question, Duncan. Um are Arsenal in a in a relegation battle? Where are we in the table now? Are we eleventh, something like that. I think it's twelfth. Twelfth, twelfth, and and six points clear of Villa at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Flaky Villa. Um, no, we're not in a relegation fight. My goodness, but uh, yeah, uh, my my calls for for bringing in Rafa Benitez have not been not been heeded, and we've still gone for, for another manager who likes to play uh, silky attacking football. Um, maybe Arteta will add a bit of steel. He was a player with steel as a as a professional, so we'll see what happens with that. But um, 
this is definitely a, a big fixture for him because if if this goes wrong, it's a really leaves a sour taste for his start um, as Arsenal manager. Two draws and then a loss at home would not be great for him. I think so, it would be yeah. a long way back for for Arteta. He's not a player who has like a track record to fall back on. Um, yeah. If you look at both Lampard and Solskjaer, who are sort of similarly positioned managers, you know, ex-players who came in and like quote unquote know the club. Um, both of them started really well. Arteta seems. I mean, obviously Lundberg didn't, and now Arteta doesn't seem to be like if this did if this did go really badly for him, then a lot of questions would be asked. I think. Maybe uh, might regret not taking David Moyes on. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's always when he gets fired from West Ham, isn't there? Um, That's true, man. You legend. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Liverpool versus Sheffield United. Let's move away from that awful fixture for Arsenal. Liverpool, Sheffield United. Gary, what do you reckon to this one? Right. So, I think um, I think obviously, <laughs> as as you would imagine considering Liverpool's records, they go into this as strong favourites. Um, I, I do think, though, that, that Sheffield United have proven quite a tough nut to crack. Um, I think Liverpool only won this because of a Dean Henderson error at Bramall Lane, the reverse fixture. And we've seen it. It's taken um, kind of 80-odd minutes for Manchester City at home to kind of make this game safe um, earlier today. Um, so... And that was the first time Sheffield United had lost away from home in, in nearly a year. Um, so it's a it's a kind of a tricky one. Like I think Liverpool will win, but I think Sheffield United will probably be a bit like Wolves did to Liverpool today. We'll deny them a lot of space and be quite hard to break down. And we're probably looking at like a, a sort of a 2-0 or a maybe even a 1-0. Um, so I think the question here is really kind of something that Ben Ben posed to us about whether we should triple up on on Liverpool players. Because he was thinking, his reasoning was, well, you have to have Alexander-Arnold and you have to have one of Salah or Mane. And he's kind of thinking, well, why don't I go with both Salah, Mane and Alexander-Arnold, um, which is a big dunk, a chunk of your budget. But it, it tends to be if if Salah doesn't have a great game than Mane does it seems and most of us in our podcast here have been frustrated this week because we don't have we've all gone Salah and it's been Mane that's that's reeled in the points um so maybe I'll, I'll attempt to answer that question first and then maybe you you guys can give your verdict for me and I've, although I've said this a few times but I, I just feel that Liverpool have been getting a few fortunate results um, and it's going to catch up with them eventually. Okay, they they've destroyed Leicester recently, but looking at, I think Sheffield United at home. The, the next two home games are Sheffield United and Manchester United. So in theory, again, two of the tougher teams to break down who might be dangerous on the counter attack. And then in between that, they have Spurs away. Even their double game week is Wolves and West Ham away. Uh, so they don't have a home fixture in there. I, I, I mean, I I definitely look at game week twenty four. For, for that triple option. But for the next three game weeks, I I can see them dropping points somewhere in there. And I can't see them getting like a load of goals. It's probably, there probably are like four, five or six Liverpool goals in those fixtures. Um, but for me, I'm not, I'm not keen on the triple up. Um, I don't know what you, you guys think. 
Can I jump in? Because I've got I've got Salah and Mane at the moment, and I need to get Trent in before it's but it is already too late. Um, I would say if you if you're not in my situation where you have Salah and Mane, um, then I would stay away from the Liverpool triple up. Like looking at my team, how it's going to look once I've brought in Trent and have the other two, it is really tough. Um, I think, like you said, Gary, the fixtures are tough from now until game week 24. I think it's the perfect scenario for a hit going into game week 24 to bring in three players. I think two for now is absolutely fine. Um, yeah, I don't think, you know, I think Ben, when he posed us this question, was saying, should I break my team to triple up on Liverpool? And I would say, don't break don't break your team until game week 24 and it's going to be worth it because i don't i don't think the effect it's going to have on the rest of your team is worth it at the moment um i think i i, I agree with you duncan um i've i've had a, a, a not a bad season up until now and one of the things that i think has, has separated me from other players who've not done as well um, outside the pod like from if you compare my performance this year to last year, for example, where I was awful, I haven't had either Salah or Mane for most of the season. And most weeks, like I say, one of them will do well. If you've got both of them in, that means one of your 12 million assets is going to do badly. That's a big hit to take if one of those two does badly and everybody else is getting points out of their, their big players. To get all three of those in, you've probably got to lose De Bruyne. And you can't lose De Bruyne any more than you... like. Duncan and I both feel really, really stupid for losing um, Alexander-Arnold. De Bruyne, I think, is even more of a keeper. So um, I think you have to... I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think the, the, the yield is really there. And I'm actually thinking of um, maybe not having Mane or Salah, but still doubling up on Liverpool players by either having uh, Joe Gomez at 5.1. So you double up on the defence, um, with well, obviously with Trent. Um, or maybe going for both of the fullbacks, something like that. I, I don't know. I think um, Mane and Salah together is uh, it's kind of guaranteeing that you're going to suffer from one of them in the way that Duncan and I have both suffered the last couple of weeks. Gomez is an interesting one you've picked out there, Andy, because he's um, like Liverpool. He came back into the team four weeks ago, uh, four games ago, and and those are the four clean Liverpool are four clean sheets in a row ever since he's come back. And he's also got two bonus points in the games against Watford and Wolves. So I guess he's, he's, he's not one for attacking returns, but obviously that's why he's so much cheaper. Um, so he, again, if, you, yeah, if, you, if you're not tripling up on the kind of the big guns, then he could be uh, another interesting option. If I had infinite transfers, if, if I was in like wild card this week and didn't have to deal with the consequences of uh, <laughs> doing that, then that would be what I'd do. I'd, uh, I'd make a lot of changes and one of them would be Joe Gomez in. Um, I think he's a... I watched the um, the Liverpool game against... Uh, I can't remember who they played. This is terrible. I've watched so much football in the last couple of weeks. Um, anyway, well, I watched him against Wolves and um, Joe Gomez just looked really, really good. Um, the, the thing that really struck me about that game wasn't how sort of good Liverpool looked as a team, but how good they looked defensively like Wolves attacked really well, I thought in that game they were they were sort of moving the ball back and forth, playing long passes, short passes. Players were constantly moving, even though they rested a few players. It didn't seem to damage their attacking flow at all. 
But Liverpool just had the answer to everything at the back. You saw moments where Van Dyke was doing little flicks to get around strikers. You saw Joe Gomez going like um, pace for pace with their fastest players. Um, like they were just so brilliantly organised that all these like flicks and tricks and good passes were just like there was somebody there to intercept them. Um, so I think Liverpool probably their defence is the, is the place where you're going to get the best value for money at the moment. Okay. I think we're going to have to call it there on the fixture preview. Really, really good stuff, guys. I love that. Um, who are your whipping boys going to be, though? Gary, who are you going to pick out as your whipping boys for game week 21? Um, hmm, that's an interesting one. Um, I think I think I'm going to go with Everton. I know that they should be getting a bit of a new manager bounce, but I just can't look past City at home. Um and again, is this, I think one of you said City looked quite angry at the moment. So um, I could see that being a 3 or a 4 nil to City. What do you reckon, Andy? I think it's a really hard one this week, you know. Um, there aren't a lot of fixtures that stand out to me as, as possible whippings. I think it might be that Burnley... I know I said that neither team looks like they're on good form, but Villa are just low at the moment. And with Burnley at home... You might see maybe a 3-0 there with Chris Wood and Ashley Barnes turning it on finally. I don't think that's going to happen, but I don't really think there are going to be any whipping boys this week. So Villa look the most vulnerable to me. I I like that pick, Andy, but I'm going to join Gary on Everton. I think I think the shoots of um, kind of positivity we've seen from Everton recently have been offensively more than defensively. So I think... Man City will be too much for them. I think, yeah, I think the most goals are most likely in that fixture. A bit, a bit boring, but like you say, it's hard to pick this week. What about clean sheets? Gary, who's your first clean sheet? Um, so I'm on the back of what Andy was saying about Joe Gomez. I'm going to go with Liverpool at home to Sheffield United. I think that's a very good pick. Andy? I'm going to go Leicester at Newcastle. Yeah, another decent pick, top two. Um, yeah, do I go for the, <laughs> the the hat-trick? Do I go for Man City, number three in the league? Uh, or do I go somewhere I, a bit... I, I would disagree with you on that one, because Everton, we, we're saying their uh, their attacking play looks a lot better, and City are a shambles at the back at the moment. I think that's brave to pick them out. I'll go for Burnley. I'm going to back Andy. Go for Burnley against Villa. Back to you, Gary. Um, I think I'm struggling to see many more here. Um, I, I, I might have to go with... I, I did just say City, where I could see it as a 3 or a 4 nil against Everton. So, City, if there is any more. Okay. Andy, can you, you see any more? What do you think of Palace? Yeah, we've, we've kind of talked about that, haven't we? How we, we think there may be, you know, Norwich at home could could get some goals. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm going to play Martin Kelly, but with a bit of a heavy heart. So that I, I, just, I, I in fact, I, I had a, I had a couple of these mashups where my attackers were playing against my defenders in my team last week, and it was like, well, I have Kelly and Ings, and Ke- Kelly passed to Ings, and Ings scored. Um, <laughs> the lowest, so, outrageous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I can see this again. Now, now I've got Pookie and Kelly. So, yeah, we'll see if. One of them will come out on top, I think. Okay. 
any more for any more. Otherwise, I think we'll leave it there. Not looking like a lot of clean sheets at the moment. Um, should we have a look at our listener league? Um, Andy, oh no, sorry, Gary, do you want to take us through uh, what's what's happening there? Yeah, so it, it's been a monumental week. Um, so we we had we kind of had the the kind of the FPL royalty in Rui, Rui Oliveira coming in a few weeks ago with a big lead. Well, um, I think I think it's a little bit. He's he kind of has inspired our longtime leaders Kevin Miles and John Hartopey to kind of greater heights. And they've both overtaken him this week. They kind of clawed back a 30, 40 point lead that he had. Um, and so now it's, it's, well, it's pretty tight at the top. You've got Kevin Miles um, with Milner, Barely Noah, and John Hartopey with my Aki Breaky Heart um, drawing on one, two, three, nine. Um, so they're, they're right up there in, uh, in the top, um, and a 200,000, I think, no, sorry, uh, in the top 5,000 in the world, just about, um, with those scores. So, so yeah, neck and neck, um, and the teams are slightly different. Uh, so, so yeah, Kevin Miles has got, gone with the kind of double Liverpool defense, Robertson, Alexander Arnold, Maguire, um, and he had Vardy as captain this week, but uh, he didn't play, so he's got the Rashford points instead. And um, as far as John Hartopey goes, he went with Mane as captain, and he's got a very powerful midfield with De Bruyne, Martial um, as well. So the, the, those two have been kind of mentioned quite a lot on the pod. Um, and Rui Oliveira is still only 11 points behind. Um, and rounding out the top five, we've got Harry Quinn, further nine points back and Alden Björk is 34 points back in, in fifth place. Um, and other than that, so the top scorer this week is Mel Craft with Crouch Potatoes. And Mel has gone with De Bruyne as captain, which a few of us picked. Uh, Marnie as vice captain. So that's nearly half the points there. But uh, an interesting pick uh, for Mel is that um, Mel's got Calvert-Lewin up front, who a few of us mentioned. Um, so Calvert-Lewin brought in 12 points. Um, and that that's kind of made the difference, along with having a Brighton goal lane in Ryan. And then I, I just wanted to shout out, again, occasionally we pick out the, the, the player in, in last place this week. And it's um, Raquel Nabotas. Um, who, who only got 25 points. But I, I feel like uh, Raquel was really unfortunate because he, his, actual, his entire defence got zero points this week. Um, but if you listen to his five defenders, they're actually really good players. He's got Chilwell, Soyuncu, Ender Stevens from Sheffield United, Aaron Wambasaka, and Tyrone Mings. I guess Mings has been injured, but you'd, you'd pick out of those five, you'd, you'd think that would be a pretty solid defence but they've actually with the rotation got, got nothing this week um, Just one thing I, I suspect Raquel Novotas might be a she Oh yeah so sorry yeah no I, <laughs> I um, <laughs> it, that's that's probably the same I, I, I did so well in avoiding saying uh, if Mel was a he or a she because I don't I, I think Mel can be both but Mel Mel's obviously usually a, um, uh, a girl's name, but uh, Mel Sterland was a 
a fullback for Sheffield Wednesday. So I was I was really avoiding saying if Mel was a he or a she, um, but I didn't didn't manage it for Raquel. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Raquel, if I if I did. Thanks, Gary. That's that was a really nice preview. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andy, do you want to? Tell us how we did in our joint team following my advice a few weeks ago. Thank you for pointing this out, Gary, to get rid of Trent. How are we doing? <laughs> well, um, 58 points isn't a terrible return for the week. Uh, Mane as captain was a good pick. Uh, De Bruyne got us 14 points. Rashford got us nine. And um, pretty much a blank everywhere else. But that's enough to get a sort of respectable 58 uh, for this week. Um, the uh, we, we have Siunchu and Tielemans currently in the side. So they'll be replaced by Traore and Rico for a, a grand total of 60. Um, for this week, we've got two transfers, for, two free transfers. So um, it's a use it or lose it week. Um, and a few players that I sort of would want to highlight as perhaps uh, vulnerable would be Serge Aurier hasn't returned as we expected him to. Um, Yuri Tielemans, I think, likewise hasn't sort of given the returns, and uh, and there are other good options at, at that price range, um, and perhaps uh, Diego Rico as well, who Bournemouth uh, on a terrible run, and we have what point one in the banks, so we might be able to find another bargain bargain basement defender. Um, probably Aurier would be my pick. Uh, no, I should say that. I said probably Tielemans would be my pick to uh, to be the most vulnerable, but I don't know what you guys think. How do we line up this week, Andy, at the moment? As it stands, um, let me go, go to my team because I want transfers at the moment. Um, so as it stands, we've got um, Gaeta in goal against Norwich. I think that's fine. Kelly in defence against Norwich. We've got dub- we're doubled up on the, uh, on the Palace defence against Norwich, which could be a lot worse, I think. Um, Aurier against Southampton, C and Chu against Newcastle. Then the midfield is um, Mane, Tielemans, uh, so Man against Sheffield United, Tielemans against Newcastle, Ali against Southampton, De Bruyne against Everton. Um, and then on the bench, we've got Traore against Watford. Then up front, it's 3-4-3 at the moment. So up front, we've got um, Rashford against Arsenal, Abraham against Brighton, and Vardy against Newcastle. I mean, I just want to undo the damage that, um, that's been done <laughs> to the joint team. <laughs> get, um, get, get Trent Alexander-Arnold back in for... Um, uh, Aurier. Uh, so I, I wasn't on the pod a couple of weeks. Maybe we're just going to do this endless cycle of, of reversing each other's transfers. But um, <laughs> I, 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 I kind of grateful because I'm not bottom of our mini league anymore because of uh, of Trent catapulting me above the uh, the joint team. Um, but I kind of feel like we should we should put Trent in for Aurier, and then I don't know what that leaves us with the. Um, the Tielemans. I, I guess it'd be a cut price midfielder. If, no, it's, if, no, it can't be that. Tielemans. We've got to save two point two million somewhere to do that. Um, and the only place I can see as viably doing that is to drop Ali and bring in somebody who is worth uh, six point six or below. So, how much is Tielemans? Six point four. So it'd have to be a four point four midfielder or something, would it? Four point two midfielder. Is there one? Is um, there a four point two midfielder? <laughs> If there is one, we should bring them in. <laughs> well, there's only there's only four point three midfielders. That's uh, that's that's heartbreaking. <laughs> Oriol Romeo has twenty eight points, four point three million. But 
Um, yeah, um, I think that that makes Deli Ali vulnerable, right? Um, at at eight point eight. What about uh, what about taking a hit? What about getting rid of Abraham, Tillemans, and Aurier, and seeing if we get a bit more money there? Abraham, Tillemans, and Aurier. Maybe we could bring so... in Danny Ings, as as Gary was saying. You know, he's a good player to have, nice and cheap. Or Troy Deeney. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. That, yeah, that Dini might be an interesting one. We've got to try and do something a bit different with this team, I think. So, um, how how are watch, what Watford's fixtures? Um, Watford's fixtures are they're not um, bad. No, Wolves, Bournemouth, Tottenham, at, Wolves at home, Bournemouth away, Tottenham at home, Villa away, Everton at home. Next five games, not bad. Yeah, you can see so if, Dini doing well out of those, couldn't, couldn't you? So, if we did the Dini swap. And the Trent swap, what would that leave us for Tielemans? That gives us a 5.6 remaining uh, to replace Tielemans with. If only we could have Traore twice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It doesn't really matter, does it? Because we'd be playing a a 3-4-3. So that that fifth midfielder um, would be a bench player anyway, right? What do you think of John Fleck? I how much I did actually mention John Fleck on the Phantom podcast um, as a as a good as a good player. Um, and I, I just just checking if we if we did the other if we did the other changes, would we still have would we need to do Tielemans? Because I'm just saying we're taking a four point hit. Yeah, we do. I, I guess uh, we have to to make it balance the books, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Um, so John Flex only four point nine. Um, so then we'd have uh, 0.7 in the bank. Could uh, we take? Or we could uh, reprise Todd Cantwell at four point eight. Could we take Abraham down to someone lower than Deeney? Um, so, yeah how how much would we have left if we got rid of Abraham and we brought in Trent for Aurier? I mean, we could go super low. Um, Hang Could on. we afford who, someone? Who, who are we doing instead of Tielemans then? Or are we keeping Tielemans? If we kept Tielemans and put him on the bench, could we do? Um, I mean, they've got five point four for a striker. Ah, so we can't f- afford Dominic Calvert-Lewin. That's annoying. Yeah, we're close, but we can't quite afford him. That would that would have been a good pick. I would have. Uh, I'd, I'd check that out as well. We can we can afford Jordan Ayew. I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I don't like Ayew as a starter. Um. I mean, Aaron I mean, Connolly. <laughs> just if we did want to do the Deeney one, just another midfielder who who I had at the start of the season, who was chipping in with a lot of points, was um, Jorginho at um, Chelsea. He was also on penalties sometimes. Um, he's just scored again today, and, and he's had a little spell out of the team. But he's um, Chelsea scored quite a lot of goals, so he could be a an option. I like the Dini transfer. I'd like to. I, I, I think we should do that because it's interesting and fun. What if we instead? Of, how much is Dini? Six point two. Dini is a good option. He's also if we brought in um, Ruben Calvert- Neves, double wolves. If we brought in Calvert Lewin instead of Dini, how much more would we have to spend on a midfielder? Because I feel like. If we could go above that level, 
I don't want that because I want to differential against this bloody team that's catching me up. <laughs> <laughs> so Calvert Lewin is five point eight million, uh, which would leave us with six million to spend on a Tielemans replacement. Wendia, yeah, Wendia. Right, let's look. At, let's look at what the options are, shall we? So, um, uh, Iosi Perez is six. Ward Prowse is five point nine. That's that's interesting to me. Um, and then Buendia six. Oh come on, Buendia's coming good. This this could be the maverick move that. <laughs> that Ben Ben and Matt will be pulling their their hair out in despair when they hear that we've we brought in Buendia and Calvert Lewin. Basically, the transfers go full Maverick when Gary is here, and when he's not, <laughs> they go full Dullard, and then they just, like Gary's saying, just reverse each other every couple of weeks. I think this is worse than uh, than the Dini and um, who are we thinking of? Fleck. I think Dini and Fleck is better than. Calvert Lewin and Buendia. Okay, let let's do Dini and Fleck then. But let's. I, I think with Fleck, I like Sheffield United have bad fixtures, so he's he's playing the West Ham at home game in a couple of weeks. But Liverpool away and Arsenal away and City at home, he's he's well back on the bench. I, I really i I don't like the Dini and Fleck move. Mm. I think I think Dini, having watched him a couple of times recently, um, I think you know he's picking up a penalty and a goal here and there, but he's just not mobile anymore. He's... I never I, was. I, I, yeah, but I, he used to be quite uh, physically imposing. He used to get about a lot. And I don't think that he does anymore. I, I feel like this is his last season as a kind of an effective striker. I think he's kind of on the way out. And I know he goes on these little spurts um, of good runs, but I, I don't like that with Fleck. I, I feel like bringing in two players who are actual options... I'm not sure Fleck is an option with tough fixtures and and just generally. I just I, oh, uh, it's so it's so annoying. I don't I don't want to have Calvert Lewin. In... <laughs> why not? Because I I, I, I want to have him in my team. <laughs> but can I say the dreaded words? If if we wanted to not not have Fleck, uh, Scott McTominay. He's injured, isn't he? He's injured. Yeah. Otherwise, well, he'd be straight in as captain. But I think. <laughs> I think that there's only one more match coming in midweek, and then there's a ten ten day um, break. So I I don't know. And then 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 Man United at home. So I I don't know if he he wouldn't necessarily be playing next week because he's only a whoever whoever is uh, is a five million pound midfielder wouldn't be playing. But he could be a another punt. I another think we could have, do. Hang have on, to make let, a decision. Me, we do, and I've actually got another another one to throw in the mix as well. Um, if we pick Ismail Assar instead of Tielemans, not really, actually we're not really saving much money then, are we? Which kind of it was the point in the first place. Um, but if we did that, where's he gone? Then that leaves us with five point six to spend on a striker. There which I know is not very much. It's not not enough even for Mope, I don't think. Um, yeah. I think we're going to have to go for the one that you guys want because you're going to outvote me um, and we have to make a decision. 
Okay, one, um, one, hang, one hang last on, desperate, on. desperate name to throw in the mix. John Joseph Shelby is the other midfielder. I, I think like if we're going to play Dini up front in a, a three-four-three, and whichever midfielder, fifth midfielder, we're going to bring in for Tillemans, why don't we just save money on him, stick him on the bench, and make him Cantwell? Then we've got the most money to do with what we want for the players we're starting with, you know, in the weeks going forward from this. Well, look, Jordan Ayew and Liz Musa above five and four point nine respectively. We could do one of those two, save all the money and save the transfer, not take a hit. I don't think Musa is an option at the moment as a starter because of their fixtures and the fact that he's not scoring. Um and yeah, at the same for IU. I just think don't bring in a a palace striker. Um, <laughs> okay, well, he's, he's I, on the bench though, isn't he? That's the thing. I'm, th- like I'm throwing it. in, I'm throwing in more and more desperate midfielders' names to make this Dini one work. But I really don't like Cantwell. But for the same price, you could get Aaron Moy from Brighton. Oh, I like um, that. I like that. Who who is? They've got some nice fixtures coming up, Brighton. I've, um, and he is quite a, he's a good set piece specialist as well as chipping in with the odd goal. So I think he might be a, yeah, yeah. Something we have to bear in mind 4, with that 4. cheap 8 player. Million. That cheap player, this fifth midfielder we're bringing in. In a few game weeks, not too far in the distant future, we're going to want to have three Liverpool players. At the moment, this transfer will give us two, but we need to maximise as much cash as possible. So making our fifth midfielder cheap is good. Um, so we can bring in Salah for a hit or, you know, Robertson for a hit, for instance. So Moy, Dini and Trent. I like that. Um, we actually could afford to spend more than Dini. If we, if we put in Aaron Moy, we've got seven million to spend on the striker. I feel like that takes us into a different category. Danny Ings. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Ings or Pookie would be the two obvious ones. But I, I, I think we still, if we have Dini, bear in mind, we're leaving us ourselves a little bit of money to play with next week if we just want to make the one transfer a good one. The other thing we could do, actually, I know we can't, sorry, never mind. I was going to say we could keep Abraham, but we, we're a little bit short for that. So yeah, we do have to do the fourth one. Um who, who actually are Southampton playing? They've got um, Tottenham, Leicester, Wolves, Palace, and then Liverpool. I don't think that's that bad. I think Danny Ings is the one. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay. Let's do it. So Trent, Moy, and Ings are coming in for Aurier, Tielemans, and Abraham. Yeah. Should I, should I press go now, or should we... Uh, Wait and make sure no one gets injured. There are no games before Wednesday, are there? Yeah, let's go for it. Make transfers. Confirm transfers. Done. Okay, so we then need a team. Um, So currently, our bench is Traore, Rico, Lundstrom. Our team is Gaeta, Kelly, Alexander-Arnold, Siunchu, Mane, Moy, Ali, De Bruyne, Rashford, Ings and Vardy. So I think we drop Moy and play Traore. 
I agree. I think that's then it, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Just captain to pick. Yeah. Um, Maybe De Bruyne again. <laughs> I, I would. I would back De Bruyne. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably a decent pick. Um, and Vice, just in case De Bruyne gets rested. Rashford, maybe away to Arsenal. I don't think it's a bad pick for captain. I, I, I said it tongue in cheek, but actually, you know, if that did go badly for Arsenal, then Rashford's likely to get the points, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, yeah, I can okay. agree with that. All right, nice Brian Captain Rashford Vice done. Nice one. Okay, Gary, on to you for gut punts. Okay, so I'm going to gloss over the um, the scores from the last couple of weeks. Um, we we all kind of got a couple of two and three pointers, but nothing really stood out. But the exciting thing now is we're coming into January, so we can pick um, a gut punt for next week, but also a January gut punt as a player. Again, we, we're going to go for a lower value player, someone six million and under, um, who's going to do well this time. So Ben's already sent his, and he went with Troy Deeney. So in hindsight, and now I've just remembered that, maybe that was Ben saying he wanted Troy Deeney in our combined team, um, but but maybe not. Um, and then Andy, you were looking at Dominic Calvert-Lewin for January. Yeah, that's right. So uh, Calvert-Lewin, I think, is going to be, until such point as they can sign somebody else, the main striker for Everton. We've spoken about him already on this podcast. Everton's fixtures after the Man City game are getting are going to get quite kind, and it's it's possible that they'll score against City. He's as likely as anyone to get that goal. Um, he's on a great run of form right now, um, and I think he's a, a better player than he gets credit for. Um, largely because he's been kind of in and out of sides and seen as a youth player that hasn't really broken through yet. Um, but this could, having done really well in the first couple of games of Ancelotti's reign, I think this is his moment to shine. Um, so if he takes it, he may, he may or may not take it, but you've got to take a gamble at the uh, the price point that we look at for these gut punts, right? So um, yeah, he's my, uh, my my gut pump for the month of January and I uh, I stand by it. Okay. And Duncan... Uh, oh, and Andy, did you have a, a player for this game week in specifically? I will do by the time Duncan's finished. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my my weekly, I'm sorry, my monthly gut punt uh, for January is going to be um, Neil Mopai. Um, I think he's he's pretty miraculously uh, gone through the season, kind of unnoticed, picking up points, um, picking up goals starting most weeks, uh, getting a good number of minutes most weeks, um, being on penalties in a team who likes to play attacking football um, and uh, picking up some surprising results as well. Um, yeah, I think I think he's a really good pick. He, I think he's around like 2 or 3% owned as well. So he's a huge differential. Brighton have a lovely long period of good fixtures. Um, and yeah, I think... 5.8, something like that, 5.7. Uh, I think he might be 5.8. I just think, yeah, lovely option, um, especially for players who are looking to downgrade from Abraham, free up some cash, maybe for Liverpool options. Um, yeah, and maybe he's one of those players that I don't normally look at who you can get in before they go on a run. Normally I wait for a goal or two 
and then I bring them in. I'm quite conservative about that kind of thing. But I'd like to be like you, Gary, and pick a player before they go on a run. So Neil Mopé is my shout for that. Okay. Um, so just to round off the January picks, I'm gonna. I've been won over by Andy's arguments for Joe Gomez. I'm going to go with Joe Gomez for January as my um, kind of lesser player. Um, I guess he's got quite low ownership just because a lot of people have other Liverpool players, but uh, 1.3% ownership, 5.1 million. Um, and I'm very tempted on, to put him in my on, actual team. I thought the price limit was 4.5. Oh, for defenders. Ah, yeah. Oh, was it five? Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm trying to bend the rules. Let's go by my own rules. Oh no! Yeah. So for my pick, I'm just going to pick a defender for one of the, for the best team ever. Oh, should I? Yeah. I? I can I can jump in with my weekly pick while you replay. I have mine too. I hope I hope Duncan. I I, said, I don't think Duncan is going to pick the same one as me, but I hope not. Um, so I've got I've got three players I'm picking between Andy. So uh, hopefully neither none of them are yours. So the first up is Ericsson. Uh, for Tottenham, he's very low owned at the moment, obviously having not played much and um, playing Southampton away. He scored this this game week, game week 20. Um, uh, yeah, I think Son's going to still be banned. So uh, I think it's likely that he will play um, set pieces and stuff like that as well. Normally he hits the first man on the corners traditionally, but um, he's he's a good option, I think. Another one is Reese Nelson for Arsenal. He's been starting recently, very lowly owned and an attacking player. Um, but I think that's that's a bit of a bridge too far. And then uh, Mikel Antonio um, playing for West Ham um, against Bournemouth and Bournemouth with those defensive problems. Uh, I think I'm probably going to go with Mikel Antonio because I, I like the guy and I don't want a minus point for an expensive player like Ericsson. So... Uh, that's my pick. What about you, Andy? And just on Mikel Antonio, did you um, did you see the thing about him crashing his Lamborghini dressed as a snowman? Oh, was that him? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Snodgrass. No, no, that was Antonio. What a legend! <laughs> <laughs> apparently, apparently his his Santa outfit was completely unrecognisable as well. Was it a snowman or was it Santa? Which one, guys? Oh, sorry. sorry, snowman. Apparently, it was the worst snowman outfit ever. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, so I say, Andy, what about your uh, weekly? Um, I'm going to go Paul Pogba because he's only 4% four, 4 owned and he's been rested ready for the Arsenal game. I think, uh, I think he's, you, he, he, he's Can you rest a player who hasn't played all season? Well, because he's coming back from injury. So the sort of justification for him not playing this week was so that he could play 90 minutes against Arsenal. Okay. Paul Pogba, my pick. Okay. Um, so um, you're going for an old favourite. I'm going to go for an old favourite. Chris Wood, uh, Burnley at home to Villa. Uh, still only 2% owned. And my rearranged monthly pick, um, well, why not? The fixtures aren't necessarily that friendly, but I'm going to go for Buendia from Norwich to see if he can live up to the, the hype I've been giving him. Who got six million just squeaks in. Nice one. Um, have we got picks? Any more picks to shout out, or should we move on? Uh, I think that's it. Um, okay. Just just Ben said Troy Dini for his monthly. That was it. Okay. Um, 
Thank you very much for that, Gary. If you don't follow us on Twitter already, give us a follow at FBLFFanatics. Um, you can get in touch with us on there. Um, be great to hear from you guys as well. We always love it when people get in touch. Um, and if you've got the time and you like the show, please rate and review us on uh, iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. We'd really appreciate that. Um, and it just leaves me to say thank you for your insight, Andy. Uh, you're welcome. I think I managed to, to summon some positivity and enthusiasm for the game. So uh, I'm exhausted now. I'm very impressed. And thank you for, for keeping us positive as well, Gary. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm back in the game now. I'm, I'm looking up after, after a, a, a period of inner reflection and um, I'm, I'm back, in, back, in the, back in the game. I'm very much looking down having you uh, cut my lead in half over the last two game weeks. So um, thank you for that. And, and thank you, you guys, for listening. And we will speak to you soon. Thank you.